You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. What's happening, Crossroads? So good to see you here today. My name is Dan Chapin. I'm a teaching pastor here. And our mission is to lead everyone to discover Jesus and to follow him fully. We believe that every person at Crossroads should have one person who they are praying for, creating a relationship with, so that they can share Jesus with them. And uh, we want to help you take the next step towards Jesus so that you can discover who he is, follow him fully with your life, and lead others to do the very same thing. And what's up, Crossroads Online? Special shout out to you. Glad you could be joining us. Hello, chat hosts. Our chat hosts are available for you if you need prayer for anything, if you'd like to connect with them about anything that's going on at Crossroads, they're a great person to be able to connect with. So thanks for doing that. And stating the obvious, our culture is obsessed with superhero, superheroes in general, aren't they? Uh, think about this. Uh, in four out of the top ten highest grossing films of all times, they are superhero films. Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, has uh, grossed over $29.1 billion. I mean, that is a lot of cheddar. Am I right? Wouldn't mind a slice of that pie? And it's safe to say that pop culture has been taken over by comic book superhero movies. But before superhero movies took over, comic books were really struggling. And they had a hard time getting readers in the 90s particularly, which led to some really weird plot lines, kind of like this one. Uh, an alternative reality where Superman uh, is uh, called Red Sun, where instead of crash landing in Smallville, Kansas, he lands in communist Soviet Union. Yeah, that happened. Uh, or there's the story of Captain America turning into a werewolf, right? They called it, get this, Capwolf Saga. Wow, very fascinating, interesting story. Or the other one is, uh, did you know that they had made a comic book called Thor, Frog of Thunder? Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's Thor's brother Loki. He turns uh, Thor into a frog while Thor remains his, with his powers intact. Somehow I doubt Chris Hemsworth is going to be able to do that one. I don't know what it is. Um, but those are some pretty bizarre stories. And superheroes have captivated our attention. And sometimes the stories are really heartfelt and powerful and that really just blow us away. And other times they're really weird and confusing. They leave us saying, they did what? Like, what was that superhero all about? But superhero stories, no matter how wacky and off the wall that they can be sometimes, uh, they're really a commentary on our culture. And, and as wild as they are, they can be a mirror into our own lives. However, even better than comic book stories about superheroes, the stories that are really captivating, the ones that really get people's attention are the stories that, are, that sound unbelievable but are actually real. And it's the stories of real people doing real things that will often leave us saying, no way, that's amazing, they did what? Like it's those stories that seem too crazy to be true but actually are true. And if you really take a step back and look at the Bible, it's filled with crazy moments like that. The stories that are so amazing and so outside the realm of possibility, but somehow God orchestrates them and they're ultimately true at the end. 
like in the book of Exodus when Moses and the Israelites are leaving Egypt. And Moses parts the Red Sea, allowing his people to walk through on dry land. And then like, like they, they fish, right? Like I would imagine that they fish. I don't know if they did or not. And, and the ocean walls stay up and, and Israelites uh, get to the other side. And, and the Egyptian army has the walls of water collapsing in on them. Like that's a pretty crazy story. Or what about like bread and meat falling from the sky to feed millions of people in the desert and uh, washing it all down with water coming out of a rock? Like that seems like a pretty sweet deal. Uh, Or stories like the prophet Elijah being teased uh, by a bunch of teenagers about how bald he is. And then right after, bears maul and kill the teenagers. Okay, God noted. Uh, I will never make fun of a man of God who's bald. I never will. Don't do it, no problem. Uh, And Pastor Brian, if you're listening, I will never say to you, I actually regret saying it, uh, I'm gonna get out of your hair when you're really busy. I'll never do that again, never do that again. Uh, Yeah, that was a a mistake. Um, And and I promise on April Fool's Day that when we have services to never dress up like you again. I promise, I promise never to do that, never do that. I don't, there's no bears in here, are there? Okay. Oh, thank goodness. Well, hey, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Am I right? Am I right? Well, uh, we just love great stories. And the stories in the Bible are page after page of men and women having these crazy God moments that leave you saying, they did what? And uh, for, for this new series, uh, we want to look at some of those crazy stories of the Bible. Stories that may leave your jaw on the ground and at, at times, but soon after you get to pick them right back up knowing that the God Almighty that loves us and cares for us is in the middle of it all showing his love to us all, Uh, which is so important for us to consider when we read these stories because the worst thing to do is to read them as just fanciful tales that that we only share with our friends around a campfire but have no impact on us spiritually. But rather, these words are words given to us to draw us in to much closer and deeper relationship with Jesus. So as we interact with these texts, allow yourself to fall just more in love with Jesus and in all of his power, the creativity and passion of God that he wants to communicate to us through the Bible. And the story we are going to share today is really going to do just that. Uh, I want you to open up your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37, or you can scan the QR code in the chair back in front of you. You can download the uh, Crossroads Grace app, and there you'll be able to follow along with the service notes and have relevant scriptures that we'll be walking through. You can even make notes on there, so I encourage you to download the app if you haven't already. Now, the book of Ezekiel, it was written at a time when the people of Israel had been rebelling against God. And God sends Ezekiel and other prophets to warn the people. If the people would just turn from their idolatry, if they would just stop worshiping man-made objects instead of the one true God, then Ezekiel is told that the people could avoid God's consequences for them. But the people are not that smart. I mean, they really aren't. They ignore the powerful warning signs that God gives them. And as a result, God sends his judgment on the people by allowing foreign nations to invade Israel, to destroy uh, all of the sacred places, to take captives to be slaves, and to be dispersed from their homeland to all parts of the known world. And, And this was such a strong period of spiritual deadness that God removed his active presence from the temple in the Holy of Holies, which Pastor Brian actually talked about just a couple weeks ago uh, as he walked through the, uh, the high priestly prayer. 
And uh, I encourage you to check that out if you ever get a chance to. But anyway, uh, as the story unfolds before Ezekiel 37, there's this great darkness, the brokenness for the people of Israel. They are spiritually dead as a result of giving into the idolatry found in the culture. And, and many of the, the Israelites are physically dead because they have been invaded by outside powers. Uh, but all this, dark, all this deadness is, is not the end. And, and God takes Ezekiel, his prophet aside, and decides to show him some hope. And some hope in one of the most darkest times in the history of the people of Israel. And I just want to add like a little side note that uh, the passage that we are going to cover today is just really layered. There's a lot of pieces to it. There's a lot of Ezekiel leading up to it. There's a lot of Ezekiel afterwards. And the passage we're looking at specifically has a lot of good meat to it that we just can't really get to in the next 20 minutes. So hopefully this appetizer will really just spark your interest to dive into it on your own. All right, let's get into it. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. And in it, it says, The hand of the Lord... Was on me, And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but this seems kind of eerie, doesn't it? I mean, the picture Ezekiel sees here is, is a vision. It's not physical experience, but it's a vision that he sees, that God has given him. And in this vision, Ezekiel is being led by the Spirit of God to a valley. But this isn't any valley. This is a valley filled with bones. And the way this is describing here is that the bones were very dry. And this tells us a few things about the valley. Uh, there was probably a great battle here. The, the people slain in battle were, were left with no burial offered to them, which was really just a dishonorable thing for a foreign enemy to experience, like not burying the dead. And their corpses would have been left out for animals to pick dry. And then uh, they would, uh, then, then we also see that they're they left out as well for a long time, making them very dry. And so there's been a long battle that's happened a long time ago. And all this illustrates the totally obvious. They were dead. I mean, they were really dead. They were ultra dead. They were dead on steroids. And there was really no help for life at all. Just no chance. Yet God. Yet God asked something incredibly powerful here. Can these bones live? Let's look and see what happens next. In Ezekiel 37, verse 4, it says this. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. See, wait a second. God wants the dry bones to do what again? Like, come again now? Like, uh, what's going on here? If I'm Ezekiel, I'm like, dude, Stephen King could have wrote, like, a better part of the storyline, like himself. Like, why does God speak 
directly to, why doesn't God speak directly to the bones? Why does he use Ezekiel here? Why does he need to use Ezekiel? And really, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing that we're going to keep on reading through. Verse 7, it says this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. What? I mean, I can only imagine what that would have looked like. I mean, the images that kind of come to mind are like scenes from the movie, like the first Indiana Jones movie. Like at the very end where they're opening up the Ark of the Covenant and all of a sudden like the faces start melting. But in this case, the faces aren't like melting off. They're like melting back on. Like, like the dry bones, they did what? Like this stuff is crazy. And, and what did the rattling sound of thousands, who knows, maybe millions of dry bones coming together in the exact position, what did that all sound like? I mean, was it like, like antlers on a deer, like they're kind of like fighting together? Or, or maybe it was like, like Mario jumping on a skeleton, boing, you know, I don't know what it was. But whatever the sound, you better believe that this vision would have blown Ezekiel's mind. And notice the vivid imagery that Ezekiel points out here. I mean, he sees the layers of bone and tendon and muscle and probably the organs and the flesh all fused back on the body, layer after layer. I mean, dude, I can't sleep after watching like a scary movie. I, I can't imagine that, that Ezekiel would be able to sleep after a month of seeing something like this, so real, so vivid. And as we, as put together now that, that these dry bones were, from totally dead, no chance of return, to standing with flesh, to standing with flesh, they were still missing something incredibly crucial. So crucial that without it, they were still considered dead. Even with a totally new body, they were missing the breath of life. And these meaty bodies are missing the most important piece that makes them alive. And only God can give it to them. Let's see what happens next in verse 9. Then he said to them, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. <laughs> like God uses Ezekiel again. And this time, he tells Ezekiel, now's the time to tell them to take their first breath. I mean, what does any of this mean? Because so far, this Bible, this, this story in the Bible is looking more freaky than a Freddy Cougar movie being watched through VR glasses than anything else. Like, like so what does all this mean? Like, what's the purpose of this vision that God has shared with us? And how could a valley of dry bones have any really spiritual significance for any of us? Um, or our world around us? How does the story help us fall more deeply in love with God and his son, Jesus? Well, there are actually two ways. Two ways God is using this vision to teach Ezekiel and to teach us today. And first, this vision means something very specific for the people of Israel. God actually tells Ezekiel later on in the chapter that, that the people of Israel are like these dry bones in that they have no hope. They have no hope because they are living in captivity spewed throughout the world. 
Yet God is going to bring his breath, his new life, into them one day by returning them back to Israel. And the second thing that we see here, this vision also has a direct application for us today about how God works in our lives. Now you might be asking yourself, okay, how does such a gory picture written down in the Bible really matter? How does this story make us, that makes us say they did what possibly be able to affect us in today's world? Well, believe it or not, this story is your story. This story is all of our stories. The story of dry bones is about us. Let me show you how. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You see, the valley of dry bones illustrates the total spiritual deadness that we all have as a result of sin in our lives. Sin. The breaking of God's law is missing the mark of God's perfect standard in our lives. And the imagery of the dry bones is is really gruesome. And at the same time, so is our sin. These dry bones, they're, they're ultra dead, right? Nothing that they could do in and under their own power could save them from being dead. And there have been people who've been gone back to life throughout the Bible. If you think about it, the stories that are in the Bible, they have a lot of different moments where people have been brought back to life. Like God used, uh, to ra- used Elijah to raise a Shunammite woman's son. Or, or Jesus himself raised a few people. He raised the son of a widow, Jairus' daughter, uh, Lazarus, and even himself rose from the grave. But these stories illustrate the point that God can bring anything back to life that he chooses. But in those stories, in those occurrences, people were different than the dry bones. They still had, like, flesh. They, they were minutes and sometimes even a couple of days away from being dead. However, in this story, the, the dry bones couldn't hear because they had no ears. They couldn't move. They had no muscle. They couldn't even twitch because they had no tendons. They were totally incapable of having life by themselves. And in the same way, there is nothing that we could do on our own that changes our spiritual deadness. Just like the bones, we can't save ourselves. The bones were totally helpless. And without intervention, we are totally helpless, lost to our own sin. And I believe inevitably we all kind of recognize this. We all recognize that there's something wrong in our world. And we try to find ways of discovering answers to it. So maybe we try out spirituality, but spirituality is not enough. Maybe we try lots of different religious activities in our lives, but religion is not enough. Maybe we try no religion and believe science is the answer, but science can only ever tell us what, never why. We may, we may say we are moral persons, but your morality ultimately cannot save you when you are dead. Because this is the story of all of us, because we are all started out in this world totally dead in our sin. We all enter this world filled with sin, with no hope, totally dead to the things of God. And any attempts to save ourselves have failed. Yet God, yet God brought dry bones to life. How did he do that? Well, remember what happens 
in Ezekiel uh, 37, verse, verse 4, it says this, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, two things to, to notice here. God uses someone else to speak to the dry bones for him. Like, God didn't have to use someone, but he chose to. God calls Ezekiel, and Ezekiel uses the words of God totally unaltered. Uh, we believe here at Crossroads that everyone should have a one person in their life, one person that they are to share Jesus with, to help them discover Jesus and to follow him fully with their lives. And that doesn't happen when we're silent. I mean, just like Ezekiel, God is tapping some of you on the shoulder right now to share the words of God to people that are dead in their sin. You see, this is the story of us because God is calling all of us to share his truth. And God could do it by himself. He really could. But he doesn't. He chooses you. He decides to tap you on the shoulder to ask you to help someone else understand who Jesus is. And to help them understand who Jesus is simply, sometimes, by living the life of following him well. And other times, it's about actually opening our physical mouths and sharing about Jesus. You want to have a good start to sharing Jesus with something, someone? Ask them a simple question, like, do you have any spiritual beliefs? You'd be shocked at how much people are willing to share openly about their spiritual beliefs. They might be different than yours, that's okay. But listen and hear what God might wanna do in and through you by asking that simple question. The second thing that we notice here is that God is, he breathes life into the dry bones through his word. Breathes life into the dry bones through his word. Like jumping into the New Testament, the author John, um, he has a really interesting story where Jesus is speaking to someone who's very religious about his religion and he gives him this answer. <clears throat> he says this, in John 3, 6 to 8, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And Jesus would later say in the same book, talking to the disciples, in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, in order to move from death to life, Jesus says that we need the Spirit of God in us. And that could only happen by knowing the way and the truth of Jesus, who ultimately brings life. You see, the Spirit of God and the, the truth of God must come into perfect harmony in order for people to come to life. And what you need to know about the story about the dry bones is that this can be your story. Because God is in the business of transforming lives. And he wants to transform your life. In Ezekiel chapter 36, the chapter just before, it says this. This is God talking here. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Wow. See, God is in the business of transforming lives by taking dry bones, a sinner far from God who has not put their faith and trust in Jesus yet and breathe new life into them because God is in the business of transforming lives. Yet I know that maybe some of you don't believe that. Maybe something from your past is keeping you in a state of being dry bones and keeping you from giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you just have too many intellectual doubts, 
too many intellectual doubts about Christianity, and you can't see why this religion is of any value. Or maybe you used to go to church. Like, you, you thought people were your friends. You thought you could trust them. But then they totally betray your trust, and somehow now you want, to, want nothing to do with the people who claim to call themselves Christian. These doubts and worries and fears and pains and hurts are important to share with other people. Don't walk through life holding on to them on your own. But can I tell you, I'd rather have my worst day and knowing that God was there by my side, that he forgave me, that he loves me, he wants to guide me. I'd rather have my worst day knowing that than to have my worst day and being all alone. Not having the hope that I have in Jesus. Because ultimately, I can walk through life better with him, knowing that I can trust him, even when things are painful. You might now be starting to realize that you can't do this life alone. And you're asking yourself, maybe for the first time, where is the transformation, God? Where is that new heart? Uh, How are you going to take these dry bones and transform them to become new life? What hope can I have? And I don't really have an easy answer for you. Except this. Listen. Listen and hear like Ezekiel did. Before God's spirit enters, before flesh and bone and skin are on dry bones, before the dry bones are even assembled, before they gather together in perfect harmony, before someone moves from death to life, listen how Ezekiel listened. Remember what it says, before new life enters the dry bones, in in verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. What did Ezekiel hear? What did he hear? He heard a rattling sound. If you feel you are far from God, God wants to shake you. If you have a family member that wants nothing to do with God, listen to the rattling sound of God working in their life. If you're tired of a business as usual religious experience, then listen to the sound of rattling in your life. God wants to bring dry bones back to life and he wants to bring you back to new life. He wants to replace our dried up attempts at spirituality and add beautiful love for Jesus and his way. Before he does all of that, there is a sound. There is a rattling sound of God working in our lives. Maybe, maybe some of you have unique stories of God rattling your life. Maybe you're in with the wrong crowd. You know that any attempts that you have, have done uh, to, to get out of them have been just difficult, near impossible. You are doing things you never thought that you would be doing. You have been lying to yourself, telling you this is a normal and okay thing. You just feel this overwhelming sense of conviction now, though that God wants you to walk away from those toxic relationships, from that toxic environment. You know God is convicting you to do the hard thing right here and now. He's prompting you to move in you, to change you, to bring you from death to life. Guys, that's the sound of dry bones rattling. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but the church you were connected to was just filled with judgment, was filled with no love and caused so much pain that you just wrote off Christianity altogether. 
But now that you have finally been given this Jesus thing a try for a while, you have found nothing but love and acceptance. And it seems like all of your negative ideas of Christianity are just starting to melt away. And you are for the first time wanting to give this Jesus thing a try. Guys, that's the sound of dry bones rattling. God is on the move. Maybe you consider yourself more of a spiritual person than a follower of Jesus. So you have tried to add things from different religious experiences to, to together to best fit the lifestyle that you want instead. But the only problem is that the more you try and do this, the more you realize they can't all reconcile themselves together perfectly. Spirituality has become more about your preferences than about what's true. And you are starting to wonder, maybe only for the first time, maybe there is only one way. Guess what, guys? That's the sound of dry bones rattling. God is on the moon to bring new life, and it begins with a rattling sound. The story of dry bones is the story of us, because every person's story to God starts with a rattling. God wants to rattle our lives back to him. He wants to take the death that we experience from sin and be brought into new life through the truth of his word. And that can't be done on our own effort. For we can only do it because of God's grace in our lives. Because he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. It was only when we put our faith and trust in him that we can experience new life. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace, through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The reality about our world is that we're broken, and it has nothing more to do with anything other than the sin living inside all of us. We all enter this world sinful, broken, in need of someone to fix us. And we could try on our own, but our own attempts fail. It's not about what we do, it's about what God has done for us. All have sinned, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's perfect standard for our lives, and that sin has separated us from God for all eternity. Unless, let's read on. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, we are not just left remaining in our sin. God gives us a way to rescue us from that, both now and for eternity. And that way is Jesus for God so loved, he loved you. He sent his son into the world, his only son, to die. To die the death we should have died. So that we would not perish for all eternity, but we could spend eternity with him. So how do we experience this new life? How do we experience a life away from dry bones and in new life? It's simply this, Romans 10:9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's belief. It's belief. It's trusting in God. It's putting your faith in him, that he is going to be the leader of your life from here on out. 
It's not about your own attempts. It's not about what you want to do for yourself. It's not about what you want to do for someone else. It's about following Jesus because of who Jesus is. And it's also confessing. It's saying, God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm broken and devastated without you. And I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. It's in that moment that you, when you recognize, understand that, and believe that, that you have moved from death to life. I believe that the greatest miracle that God performs is a changed life. You can, a miracle of, of raising someone from the dead, a miracle of, uh, of blind being able to see, a miracle of someone who is lame being able to walk, those are, are powerful. But guess what? The most powerful miracle that can happen in someone's life is when their heart is transformed, when their lives are given over to God. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you know you've been walking far from God you know that you are dead in your sin, but you want new life. You wanna live a life for Jesus. Let's pray. If you here today never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then I want you in the quietness of your own heart to repeat after me. God, I'm a sinner. I have broken my relationship with you. There is nothing I can do to save myself. God, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. God, I put my faith and trust in you. And I receive the gift of your son Jesus who died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Father, I pray for anyone who has prayed that prayer today. God, that you would help them to find someone that they trust and that they love and tell them about this commitment that they made to follow you. God, I pray that you would always be helping us to see the dry bones rattling in people's lives. That you help us to, to pray for and encourage and spur on the incredible work that you're doing in their life. Because God, the greatest miracle you could possibly ever do is to change a life. I pray this all in your name, amen. Would you stand with us?
on the night that he was betrayed, he wanted to give his disciples a symbol about what he was going to do, dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And so he took some bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Then Jesus took some wine, and here we have some juice. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. God, we are so incredibly thankful that you would choose to rattle our dry bones, our broken, dead sin, so that you could bring us into new life with you. God, we are so thankful that you would send your son Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can have new life. And Lord, for those of us who put our faith and trust in you, I pray that you would encourage all of us to be praying for the one person that we want to see God rattling their life, that we want to see God changing them, bringing them from death to life. And Lord, I just thank you for giving us such great love that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned, so that we can have life we could never earn on our own. Thank you for all you do. We love you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys. I pray that you have a great week. Tag it! 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.